Alright, greetings fellow Earthlings, this is Dave Smith with another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. In this episode, we are going to be playing clips from Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman from today, May 4th, 2021. And we will also be playing clips from her guest, Raoul Peck, who wrote a book recently, Exterminate All the Brutes. And uh, it's a fantastic program. I suggest you listen to the program in depth. And um, it, it just basically clarifies the real history, you know, not what I was taught in school. Columbus didn't discover anything. He was completely lost. He was on the wrong side of the world. He was a genocidal maniac. And it was also sh sanctioned by the Catholic Church. So this was the beginning of that manifest destiny right? Um, the Haitian, and one thing I didn't know, the Haitian Revolution was amongst the first of the revolutions in the 18th century and uh, not publicized because it was a slave revolt revolution that was successful. So um, yeah, they did not want that knowledge spreading. But anyway, with no further ado, let's get into it. Exterminate all the brutes. Exterminate all the brutes. That's the title of an epic new sweeping series by the Haitian filmmaker Raoul Peck about colonialism, white supremacy, and genocide. I want to go to another clip from the second episode in the series where Raoul Peck, he is the narrator of this series, explains what happened after Columbus arrived in what is now Haiti, where Raoul Peck was born. So this part's fascinating, um, you know, and he starts breaking down the history. So here we are, Democracy Now!, fabulous show. If you're not familiar, it's uh, KPFA 94.1 FM. You can find it online, streaming. They also uh, air it, air Democracy Now! on a number of different television stations. But you can always find it streaming online or on the FM dial at 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley. Instead of the bustling ports of the East Indies, Columbus came upon a tropical paradise populated by the Taino people, what is now Haiti. Then, from the Iberian Peninsula, came merchants, mercenaries, criminals, and peasants. They seized the land and property of indigenous peoples and declared the territories to be extensions of the Spanish and Portuguese states. These acts were confirmed by the monarchies and endorsed by the papal authority of the Roman Catholic Church. more or less the official story and through that official story a new vision of the world was created the doctrine of discovery yeah that's right the doctrine of discovery of manifest destiny you know go forth go forth and conquer this is all put here for you by god and god doesn't care about you know people other than you right that's where that's where the narrative goes so crazy, right? That's so, you know, what I wanted to do a podcast on American exceptionalism, 
and then I heard this story. So this is a perfect lead-in to talk about American exceptionalism, right? Because we're taught this myth of, you know, Columbus. Columbus, the white guy, oh, he was a hero. Oh, no, he was a discoverer. He was a hero. He was a brave conquistador. We give it a nice clean name, right? Conquistador. He went conquered, raped, and pillaged. He chopped off people's hands if they would not show him, if he would not bring them treasure, if he would not bring him to where their treasure was. If they couldn't, you know, find a source of gold or something, he would start chopping people's hands off. He was an absolute brute. He should be looked at as a psychopath and sociopath that would do anything for money, not idolized, um, not put up on a pedestal, and certainly he, the bastard should be wiped out of our you know, textbooks and history books because all he does is glorify uh, and perpetuate the mentality that enabled slavery to exist and to go on for so damn long. So... It's time we come correct with this. I don't know, you know, I'm not into like pulling down statues and this and that, but we could change it. We could put a plaque at the bottom and be like, this was a slave owner. This was a, you know, correct the history. So we don't have to idolize them. We can have statues of people who are bastards and look at them and go, oh, that's right. We don't want people to, you know, like that to rise to power again, do we? We better keep that in check. Huh. Right? But so that's so that's the downside to whitewashing history is is if you make everything PC for today, then there's no historic record of all the horrible atrocities that happen, right? So where do you draw the line? Anyway, um, you know Amy Goodman goes on another little rant right here. Let's hear from her. I love her. That's a clip from Exterminate All the Brutes, the 18th century known as the Age of Revolutions. But we often associate this time with the American Revolution or the French Revolution, not the Haitian Revolution, which was led by black slaves, the first country in the Western Hemisphere to be born of a slave uprising. You say, Raoul Peck, the only revolution that materialized the idea of enlightenment, freedom, fraternity, and equality for all. You know, Haiti becomes a republic and the U.S. Congress would not recognize it for decades, fearful that the fact that Haiti was born of a slave uprising would inspire the enslaved people of the United States to rise up as well. Can you talk about the erasure of the... So then she just says, can you talk about the erasure of the Haitian uh, revolution? And, and it's amazing. So exactly, um, you know, they didn't want slaves here to rise up. So here we're perpetuating this myth of like, you know, land of the free, home of the brave... You know, every man created equal, you know, as long as you are a man and have white skin, right? Because women couldn't own land, women couldn't vote. Same with, you know, people of color, uh, right? And then here, Haitia, you know, Haiti goes, uh, goes through a, their own revolution, becomes a democracy, and, and, and we want to put an end to that. We didn't, not only did we not support it, we, you know... We tried to overthrow them and sanction them many, 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 many times. Anything but support. Um, so that just goes to show <clears throat> the hypocrisy that is American exceptionalism, right?
So if you're waving your flag about something, there's 10 other things that I think you should be more concerned about. Anyway, I'm not putting down anybody that's waving a flag. I'm just saying when you're celebrating being from one place, you're basically flipping off everybody that's not from there. So can't we all just get along? We're all members of this planet Earth. We're all citizens of planet Earth, and we should start there, right? Um, you know, nationalism has no place, you know? We know what nationalism leads to. It leads to a nationalistic fervor, better than thou, and then war, you know? And we don't need another world war and we don't need a bunch of Americans thinking, you know, waving a bunch of flags around as our military is going and blowing up the world for the last 20-something years. You know, we need to rein that in. So, like, check yourselves. We're not exceptional. America's the only, you know, the United States, I hate it when people call it America, because there's North America, which is the United States and Canada and Mexico, Central America, which is, you know, all the Central American countries and part of Mexico, and then South America. So America is a huge continent. Uh, you know, two, two continents and a land bridge, actually. So the United States is not exceptional. It's very hypocritical, you know. <clears throat> we give foreign aid to all different kinds of countries, but we, but we don't help our own people. We've got 50,000 homeless people in the city of Los Angeles in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. In the middle of a worldwide pandemic, the United States does not have universal health care for its citizens. Only industrialized country, we don't have health care. Our government does, that we, that we, the taxpayers pay for, but we the citizens don't. Awesome, right? Yeah, we've, we're that duped. We're that duped. We pay for our government to have what they won't give us. Not only that, they get it for life. Their whole family gets free health care and for life, even if they only serve four years. Awesome, right? So that's got to end. Um, yeah, I could go on and on, but I should probably wrap it up because, you know, I basically wanted to talk about the hypocrisy of the Haitian Revolution, and I might go on to a Part B here. I'm going to hit pause for a second. <clears throat> take a drink of water, and I might go on to a part B about American hypocrisy. Okay, part B of American hypocrisy. Here we go. Okay, so American hypocrisy, part two, the beloved um, scholar Noam Chomsky. No, I don't want to subscribe, thank you. The beloved scholar Noam Chomsky <clears throat> wrote Monday, the 30th of July, 2018, <clears throat> excuse me, Israeli intervention, U.S., excuse me, Israeli intervention in U.S. elections vastly overwhelms anything Russia has done, claims Noam Chomsky. The 89-year-old said the media has largely ignored the vital issues such as climate change, was the subtopic. So, yeah, so there's one title, uh, one headline, you know, Noam Chomsky calling out, you know, Israel's a huge threat with APAC, and, and just look up APAC and see the, uh, the pressure that the Israeli government puts on our Congress here. It's amazing. And then here we have another article... Um, 
an interview on Truthout. They're interviewing Noam Chomsky on the long history of U.S. meddling in foreign elections. And this is by C.J. Polychronio, Truthout, published January 19th, 2017. So if you want to read the, the full article, please feel free. But you know Noam, he brings the facts. He's one of our most beloved and highly esteemed intellectuals in the United States here. Um, so let me see if I can just grab a clip here. Yes, there is evidence of CIA involvement in a virtual coup that overthrowed the Withium labor movement in Australia in 1975 when it was feared that uh, Whitlam, sorry, when it was feared that Whitlam might interfere with Washington's military and intelligence base in Australia large. Or, I'm sorry, in Australia. Large-scale CIA interference in, Itali in Italian politics uh, has been public knowledge since the Congressional Pike Report was leaked in 1976, citing a figure of over $65 million to approved political parties and affiliates from 1948 through the 1970s. In 1976, the Aldo Moro government fell in Italy after revelations that the CIA had spent $6 million to support an anti-communist candidate. At the time, the European Communist parties were moving towards independence of action with pluralistic and democratic tendencies. Euro-communism in, uh, in parentheses. Um, a development that in fact pleased neither Washington nor Moscow. For such reasons, both superpowers opposed the legalization of the Communist Party of Spain and the rising influence of the Communist Party in Italy, and both preferred center-right governments in France. Pretty interesting, right? Pretty damn interesting. Um, you know, long, long, long dark history. Long, long, long dark history. Um... Following the Second World War, the United States was committed to restoring the traditional conservative order. To achieve this aim, it was necessary to destroy the anti-fascist resistance, often in favor of Nazi and fascist collaborators, to weaken unions and other popular organizations, and to block the threat of radical democracy and social reform, which were, live, were live options under the conditions of the time. What? which were live options under the condition of the time. Okay, These policies were pursued worldwide in Asia, including South Korea, the Philippines, Thailand, Indochina, and crucially, Japan, in Europe, including Greece, Italy, France, and crucially, Germany, in Latin America, including what the CIA took to be the most severe threats at the time, radical nationalism um, in Guatemala and Bolivia. Sometimes the task required considerable brutality. In South Korea, about 100,000 people were killed in the late 1940s by security forces installed and directed by the United States. This was before the Korean War, which John Halliday and Bruce Cummings describe as, in essence, a phase marked by massive outside intervention. In a civil war, 
fought between two domestic forces, a revolutionary nationalistic movement, which had its roots in tough anti-colonial struggle, and a conservative movement tied to the status quo, especially for an unequal land system. There you go. Land grabs. Corporate land grabs. Restored to power under the U.S. occupation. Boom. Yep. In Greece, in the same years, hundreds of thousands were killed, tortured, or imprisoned, or expelled in the course of a counterinsurgency operation organized and directed by the United States, which restored traditional elites to power, including Nazi collaborators. Wow. Wow. Are you digging this? I mean, are you getting this? You're not digging it. I'm not digging it. But, wow, including Nazi collaborators and suppressed the peasant and worker-based communist-led forces that fought the Nazis. Wow. Wow. So we put down a grassroots movement of people who fought the Nazis in favor of Nazis. America, that's what I'm saying right there. Can't you can't get that's the whole hypocrisy in a nutshell right there, right there. Unbelievable. In Greece, in Greece, in the same years, hundreds of thousands were killed, tortured, or imprisoned, or expelled in the course of a counterinsurgency operation organized and directed by the United States, which restored traditional elites to power, including Nazi collaborators. Damn. Yet it is true that there have been cases where the U.S. was directly involved in organizing coups, even in in advanced industrialized democracies, such as Australia and Italy in the mid-1970s. I guess that was a question that the interviewer was asking. And and Noam's response is, yes, there is evidence of CIA involvement in a virtual coup that overthrew the Whitlam Labor government in Australia in 1975. Um, okay, let's go further down the article, because I know there's going to be some more jams. Here we go. No belief uh, concerning U.S. foreign policy is more deeply entrenched than the one regarding the spread of American-style democracy. we got to spread democracy, right? we got to bring them democracy. They've got a tyrant in charge. we got to bring them democracy. Let me guess, they have oil? You know, if they have broccoli, we don't seem to want to bring them democracy. But if they have oil, oh, we want to bring them democracy. And what we mean by democracy is our U.S. military. We're going to bring you the U.S. military, and you're going to be on the receiving end of it till we get your oil. So, yeah, the thesis is commonly not even expressed, merely presupposed as the basis of for reasonable discourse on the U.S. role in the world. Right? It's unbelievable. The faith in this doctrine may, may seem surprising. Nevertheless, there's a sense in which conventional doctrine is tenable. If by American-style democracy, we mean a political system with regular elections, but no serious challenge to business rule, then U.S. policymakers doubtless yearn to see it is established throughout the world. The doctrine is therefore not undermined by the fact that it is constantly violated under a different 
interpretation of the concept of democracy uh, as a system in which citizens may play some meaningful part in the management of public affairs. Yeah, Noam rambles a little bit, so it's an interview, and Noam's a rambler, but you get the gist of it. Um, you know, I, I've heard that there's some 80 countries that the U.S. has meddled in elections, 80 sovereign democratic elections that the U.S. has meddled in. So, you know, we need to shut up when it comes to Russia meddling in our elections. That's not the biggest fear. The biggest fear is that the election machines that we use are easy to tamper with, and it's been proven that our own people have thrown elections. Like, hello, Bush stole the election. Um, you know, voter suppression is a huge problem, right? The Republicans removed almost a million people illegally from the voter rolls last year. And now people are, like Georgia, states like Georgia are passing ridiculous laws like, uh, you know, a law that you can't give somebody food or water if they're waiting in line to vote. Like, what the hell is that? Are you kidding me? And then Oklahoma put, a, put another law on the, uh, you know, measure on the ballot that would make it uh, legal for you to run somebody over if you fear for your life fleeing a protest. So basically you can run over protesters. Wow. Wow. Um, so, you know, American hypocrisy. Do as we say, not as we do, or we will frickin' nuke you, right? So, yeah, that's what it is. That's pretty much what it is. And on that note, I think I'm going to wrap it. But, you know, thanks to our new listeners in a number of different countries. Um, I want to pull up, uh, I, I believe I'm now on Amazon Music. I'm now um, on iTunes. Yep, as well as, you know, the usuals. Um, as well as, you know, Spotify Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a number of others. Yeah, so we've got some new listeners from India, Canada, Ireland, the UK, Australia, Germany, Sweden in the house. I'm part Swedish, one-sixth, I believe. Russia, what's up? Indonesia, Denmark, Pakistan, Czech Republic, Portugal, New Zealand, Romania, Nepal, Bahrain, France, Norway, Brazil, Bangladesh, Nigeria, Finland, Thailand, Belgium, Port, Poland, and the Netherlands. Oh my god, and a bunch more. Singapore, Greece, Mexico, Cayman Islands, Spain, Austria, Hungary, and Israel. What's going on, people? Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, you can also check out my live podcast on the Stereo app. It's uh, Stereo.com. And my handle on Stereo is and another thing. Otherwise, I will talk to you folks soon. Stay vigilant and keep fighting.